Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. Good afternoon. This is Carmen Nazario. Josh Carter is not here today, but happy Friday to everyone. For those of you who are just uh, getting on the show for the first time, our podcast interviews uh, veteran organizations and veteran uh, business owners throughout the nation. So welcome everyone and today we have the pleasure of having Maria Horton as our guest and, and her company is Emisec. Uh, so welcome Maria. We are happy Thanks. to host you today. Thanks Carmen. It's good to be here. I'm, I'm glad to um, share some stories and maybe answer some questions for folks. Wonderful. So typically with with us, we always like uh, to find out about your background, where you're originally from, what led you into the military. So we'll start out uh, with that. And then uh, it's a very organic interview. A lot of the things you'll mention will probably generate new questions. Excellent. Well, I was an accidental military um, in enlisted officer, for lack of a better word, enlisted from the perspective of a volunteer. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, um, just outside of Uniontown, PA or Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, At the time I grew up and I became a nurse. I was a three-year diploma nurse at the time and I was working and I met some folks who had retired from the military and they suggested to me that the military might give me a different type of nursing career and that I could be an officer in the military. So lo and behold, about a year later, I applied and I found out that that was true. Um, I became a commissioned officer, I joined, and as a nurse, I had the opportunity to move to uh, Bethesda, Maryland, and work in Washington, D.C. I really had no expectations. My father had been in World War II, which is very appropriate given um, some of the D-Day celebrations this year, but I just thought it would be an experience that if I didn't do anything else in my life, I would have three to four years of military experience and see a little bit of the world. And then all of a sudden, 20 years later, I retired from the military and I experienced a pretty non-traditional career. My first 10 years, I worked as a nurse or a nurse recruiter. My last 10 years, I worked in technology programs and accomplishing some training programs. My um, final assignment on active duty was as the chief information officer for National Naval Medical Center. Um, I was the CIO during 9-11 and the start of much of the cybersecurity, HIPAA, healthcare kind of world, looking at new technologies and software. That's amazing. So, so you went into the Navy, right? Did you, did you consider other branches, or were you attracted to the Navy? Uh, oh, 
<laughs> That's a great question. You know, luck and uh, chance happened to us all. At the time that I was looking at the military, I only qualified for the Navy. They had been short of nurses at the time, and so they would allow a three-year diploma nurse to come in as an officer. And so I squeaked in under the wire. I got selected and commissioned, but I was not eligible for the Army or the Air Force. I see. Yeah. And I've always heard my father was also a World War II veteran. And I know, you know, yesterday we had all of these wonderful D-Day celebrations and I was on t- watching them and I love to watch the old movies. But my father used to always say, yeah, the Navy is the best branch. Um, uh, I was in the Army, but um, that sounds great. So you ended up being 20 years, not what you initially expected. And so what happened after that? Um, so I'm really intrigued uh, in terms of the some of the things you did, the second part of the military, the uh, subsequent 10 years in terms of the technology programs. Um, can you um, talk a little bit more about that? I, absolutely. It's um, It might be boring to some people, but to me, I feel very fortunate. One of the things that happened was I had an interest in technology, and so um, I had finished my my undergrad degree, and I was finishing my master's. I did the first nationwide re- research in telemedicine and technology because at the time, which was the late 90s, there were so many different things coming about. And for entrepreneurs, I think a lot of times – life puts you in the right position to see things or to experience things. And at the time I was getting my master's and doing this telemedicine research, it was the same time that Yahoo came to fruition. We began to see online software applications and other capabilities. And so I was doing much of the IT, new IT kinds of work. What are websites going to look like? What are search engines going to be found? And as a result of my um, thesis and master's, the Navy put me in a joint job for Army, Navy, and Air Force looking at digital imaging in which you send x-rays worldwide, you have remote providers, everything in the late 90s that we all expect today from convenience, customer service, hey, can you get online and do X, Y, and Z? I was looking at that from older types of software and capabilities. Wow, so you were really on the forefront of uh, this this technology back in the in the 90s. What did you do the, your master's in? Um, I have a master's in nursing, even though I'm a cybersecurity expert. Um, one of the things that I tell a lot of folks, and I think it's most applicable to military veterans and their spouses, We have tons of experiences and most people should have two and three careers. They should look at what they've accomplished and then look at, are there other options, other capabilities that you can do? So medical personnel, nurses, doctors have great skill sets. When you think about self-healing networks, you think about evolution of capabilities with cloud, or even today, artificial intelligence and the self-learning that goes on, those fall very much in alignment with the skills that medical personnel will have, 
and even I actually promote a lot of artists today. Um, some of the liberal arts have skill sets that serve very well for um, data analysts, the ability to look at things, to research them, and to come up with creative ways to either present it or to retell those stories. Excellent. That is excellent advice. Um, yeah, now it's not, you know, years ago, back in, in the 70s and 80s, people, you know, would just be glad to go work for the same company and retire from there. But that's not the case anymore, and so we have to be prepared for all the changes. And I remember reading some little book years ago that really talked about that to learn about, uh, uh, to learn as many skills as you can. And so, uh, so definitely. Um, the military was uh, a, a great venue to, um, you know, I only spent three years, but I really learned a lot in the military, and I um, uh, utilized a, a lot of different skills that served me well after I left. But you were there 20 years, and, and um, my goodness, being part of this joint army um, and all the other branches um, program uh, that uh, was in the forefront of the digital imaging, uh, that um, probably really broadened uh, your uh, perspective. And uh, so when you got out, were you already contemplating maybe starting a business? No, I was not. And it's pretty, um, pretty awkward <laughs> in the transition. When I retired, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I'm one of those people that I kind of left all the doors open and then all of a sudden I had the opportunity um, to kind of figure out, well, maybe I can keep my interest in security and privacy and work for myself. And just a number of factors happened all at the same time. And I ended up saying, you know what, I'm going to try and be a federal contractor. And I hung up my shingle and I said, you know what? I think I'm going to try this. I had no experience in a large corporation. I had no experience in any of the private commercial aspects of it. I just decided that I was going to give myself a very specific time and I was going to go after it and see if I could learn it. And the time amount, which you might ask me, I said, well, I think I can do this in nine months. Well, if you're in federal contracting, nine months is like a nanosecond. It, it takes a lot longer than that to be able to kind of get your foot in the door, figure out how the business works. But I was successful in getting my first subcontract in about three and a half months. And most of that, again, sometimes um, ignorance or lack of knowledge can be helpful because it doesn't it doesn't make you second guess yourself. You just go, oh, yeah, I can do that. And you keep going. And so if I were going to offer to anybody who's listening to your podcast, I'd say persistence is very much important. Don't let other people persuade you that it can't be done in a certain amount of time. Because if you listen to that, you're going to take your eye off the ball and you're not going to aggressively or persistently go after something that you want. And so I was kind of naive, but it ended up working out for me. So when when you uh, shared about you decided you were going to do federal contracting, what you you meant was you were going to maybe start a business and market to the federal government, right? 
Yeah. Yes. Oh, Carmen, that's great. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. I, I kind of explained it in a glossed over kind of way because not everybody is knowledgeable of what is federal contracting. So that's a great explanation. Yes. Right. Uh, no, no worries. I, I, I kind of got you and and, um, and I always like to uh, elaborate a little bit more. You know, let's we're going to take a um, just a short break, Maria, and we'll be right back um, with your story. OK. Sounds great. CPA dudes where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. So we're back with Maria Horton from Emisec. Did I say that right, Emisec? Yes, Emisec. Okay, so we were discussing uh, your experience with um, uh, security and privacy, right? And how you decided, well, I'm going to try out federal contracting and I'm going to give myself three and a half months. And... um, and so you got your first contract in three and a half months then. So I gave myself about nine. Oh, but nine, I got excuse a, me. Yeah, but I got a subcontract working with another company in about three and a half months. And I, I felt very fortunate because it was a way for me to kind of stick my toe in the water and to have someone kind of um, help me understand some of the processes because – Whenever you start a business, there are so many things you could focus on, but the reality is you can't just focus on one thing. You have probably a half dozen uh, elements that you have to consider. How am I going to do my payroll or how am I going to get paid? What is it I have to respond to? And so in that, I was very fortunate to have some partners partners not in my company, but business partners who were willing to kind of share information with me. Yeah, and and and, and that was, uh, let me tell you, a blessing because um, not a lot of people have uh, that type of support in the sense that, uh, you know, you have to be careful who, who you share with, particularly when you're starting a business because... Um, if it's in the same industry, they, uh, you know, some people kind of get jealous and they don't want other people getting, uh, you know, into their domain. But um, it, so you got this subcontract at three and a half months. Was that in that field of security and privacy then? It it was. Um, one of the things that was helpful, and this doesn't always happen for many folks, was I was able to do the work myself because that was my area of expertise. And so I was able to begin working on the subcontract and doing the work myself. Some folks that I have met aren't an expert and they actually have to hire people. So that's a whole different process. So you were the employee of of the company? I was. And then how long did you do that for? Um, I actually did that for about four or five months and then Fast forward, I started getting other opportunities that I was able to hire employees, put them on contract. And so I ended up by the end of my first year in business, I had three employees 
And I was able to kind of begin looking for new work, trying to figure out, okay, now how am I going to handle staffing? How do I get people to know about who I am and what my company does? And so that was kind of the next process. So it sounds like you exceeded then your goal, right? If you ended up um, by the first year uh, having three employees, that's excellent. It was... um, It was kind of a surprise because my goals were to see if I could pay my bills and pay myself at the end of nine months or, hey, do I need to fold up shop and go get a real job? Um, But the reality was I was able to pay my bills and to look at it. And then came the next I I tell a lot of folks when I'm talking about how how I started. It's a stair step progress. You accomplish one thing in that kind of first year, then you go, okay, now what's the next thing I really need to accomplish to be able to stay here or to grow my business? And I think that folks who are going out and starting out should have those kind of rolling goals where they're updating them and looking at what's the next big thing I need to accomplish so that I can stay here. And and that's kind of how I've focused my company um, in the 16 years we've been in business. And so in the early stages, um, so uh, those first three employees, what kind of work were they doing? Um, Were they doing the security and privacy type of work? So so that's that's a uh, really important. I kind of we are talking about me and Emisec, but I didn't share with the listeners my. When I started MESEC, I decided that I was going to be a cybersecurity company or an information assurance company. The names in cyber have changed a lot. And so I was only going to do a narrow slice of the type of work that was available out there at that time. And so all of my employees or the people that I wanted to hire had to have very specific skills or very specific services. And I did that. A lot of folks will call that a niche business or a boutique business, but I did it because I didn't think I could support a lot of different expertise. And I wanted my company to have the mission and purpose. Um, I truly believe in, and we hear this a lot in the circles that I run in, you can't be everything to everybody. What are you really going to be? And I'm a big believer in that. And so almost all of our contracts have stayed in the security realm. They might bleed over a little bit, but we stay pretty much in our field. Yeah. And, and really, that that is really good advice, too. You know, you can't be everything to everyone. So I, I, I just think, you you know, you were at the right time at the right place because that's when, you know, um, would you say the infancy of cybersecurity or, um, you know, because it really wasn't needed prior to the Internet, right? True. It was different. There was security back in the day. If I go back to the 70s, there was mainframe security. If you're a old federal contractor who happens to be listening to help out a family member or whatever, there was mainframe security. There were different types of security. But when the Internet came to the forefront and people started being able to share information more broadly, security changed. And so in the beginning, it was called information assurance, and then it evolved and became 
more of a technical cybersecurity, and then it was called cyber. And now today we're in cloud security. And so one of the other things that's really important is that your company, whatever it's gonna be, is also gonna grow and change. I give advice to a lot of folks that I mentor or help and tell them your company should have a resume just like you as an individual have a resume. What did you do in the past? How did you grow and change? How did the company grow and change? And so for us, after almost 15 years, we even changed our logo. Um, our tagline has remained the same to ensure, manage, and evolve security, which is what other people will say, well, what's your company do? Well, here's what our mission is, is to ensure and manage. Being able to answer those kinds of questions are important, but my, my big tech takeaway for the listeners is your company should have a resume. What does that resume look like, and what did you invest in to grow that? Excellent. Yeah, that is Great advice. And, you know, in particularly in technology, it's always changing. And so you almost have to have, uh, you know, just kind of be ahead of the game. It's, it's, you know, it's, and it's difficult to know everything because I'm in technology as well. So I have to rely on experts, um, even within my company, uh, for, for certain areas. So, um, Maria, I, I visited your website, and it, it just, you know, you just mentioned that you mentor people, and it just appears that you are doing a lot of great things, including TV shows. Tell us about that. Uh, tell us about uh, you, how you mentor people and all of the things you're involved with. So um, that's pretty broad. I'll, I'll, I'll start with, I believe in visibility. I think in order to to have folks who are going to trust you because the business that I'm in dealing with folks privacy information or their policies or for their company or their security I need to be a trusted advocate and to do that I need to have tangible capabilities my company's resume my resume but I also need intangible things which is the ability to speak publicly the ability to showcase and talk about answers in a, a regular format I've been fortunate enough I guess that folks have asked me my opinion and they like when I talk on the radio, they like when I talk on television. I um, do a lot of conferences. Um, part of my give back to the community is something uh, you already mentioned, Carmen. Most people are afraid to share information. I like sharing in conferences as a learning because even if so there are people who steal your information, there are people who stalk you and want to know what you're doing and they try to copycat, but you can't be afraid of that. You have to be out there as an expert and be willing to share because when you share, you're going to learn something else from someone else. And so that I've been fortunate that whenever I've given most of the time, I'd say about 90% of the time I get something back from that. And so I'm always willing to speak to other people, to other companies, to answer questions. You know, my, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Um, that has been kind of one of the strengths because, and I'll just close it out with saying when I mentor people, I encourage them to do that, but I also ask them hard questions. 
What is your tagline? What do you hope to accomplish? How are you going to do that from the actions that you're doing today? Because you have to be accountable as a CEO or a C-suite executive for the things you want to move forward. So sorry about that. No, no, that is excellent advice. I actually share your philosophy as well. I mean, that's one of the reasons I volunteered to do this podcast. So um, I, I do believe in giving, and it really comes back to you. And so I would say 80% of the time it's been that way uh, in in my case. But but it's, and people need that. People, um, it, it, people starting a business, there's so, I, I feel that it's a, even a bit harder than when I started a business because now, You've got the internet. I actually started my company in 1997, just, you know, a little right after the internet had been launched. But nowadays, there's so much competition because people can start businesses online. And so you you need to be able to have someone that um, that you can look up to and can answer questions to you. And particularly in the federal contracting arena, because it, there is a big learning curve to doing federal contracting. And um, it's easier, from my perspective, it was easier to get a contract on the commercial end than on the federal end. It took me a while to understand um, how that process works. So um, you would agree on that, would you? I, I agree with a couple things you said, Carmen. First of all, number one, I do think it's harder now for entrepreneurs to start a business. It's not just the Internet. It is the way people, the internet, the web, all of the connected world that we live in today makes the barrier to entry lower. But because there are so many people there, the most important aspect is having not just relationships, but a kind of a reputation. And this goes back to the corporate resume and to your ability to give back or build your own reputation. People are going to come to see you because they trust you, they know you, and when they remember something about your business and what you're accomplishing, that's when they're gonna call you back. It might be six months from the time that they first met you, maybe a year. I've had some people come back to me almost four or five years later and say, I have a hard job. I know you're the person who can do this. So I agree with the harder and I would encourage everybody to build their visibility, their soundbite and how they want to be perceived. They have to have a level of character, integrity, just an image. What is your business's persona is how I sometimes call it. The second thing is I commend you for starting in commercial and 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 kind of flipping to federal. Um, I've taken a look at your website and, and I think the space that you're in and the space that I'm in are pretty hard. Trying to manage commercial and government together requires almost a split personality. You have to be able to function in certain ways for the commercial business world and other ways for the federal because it does have far more requirements, far more uh, um, what I would call um, stickies. There are things you have to do for the federal government you don't in the commercial world. And when I look at those two things, sometimes you can get one right and get the other one wrong, but you have to build 
or focus your company in ways that if you're best at the commercial side, then you do that, but hire out to get to the federal. If you're best at federal, do that and then move back and forth. That applies to other kinds of businesses too, whether it be bakeries or mechanics or whatever. Um, and so I'm a big believer in using what are your strongest assets. I agree. Yeah. Um, and, and there's pros and cons to both of them. I don't think that one is better over the other. The good thing about having a little bit of a mix is like if, you know, when we experienced the federal shutdown last year. So I'm sure that was very difficult for a lot of companies, particularly small business, but I'm sure large businesses, if they were only focused on the government sector and then all of a sudden the government shuts down for three weeks. So uh, that was... Uh, um, a, a little bit, you know, challenging, I'm sure, for a lot of folks. So um, I'm just going to take a, our second break right now, Maria, and we'll come back with uh, continuing on your story. Okay. Today's episode of The Veteran Startups is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. For instance, media relations. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. And we are back with Maria Horton from Emisec. Maria, um, I wanted to dive into a couple of other things. I noticed on your website that you um, had some ebooks out there. Uh, is and, um, and yeah, can you tell us about that? So this is thank you. I do. Um, as controlled unclassified information, which is a very specific security thing, came about, and as my company was evolving, I noticed um, that a lot of folks were writing books or writing ebooks. And so I challenged myself to kind of try it. And so I wrote two ebooks um, as a way to share security information for very specific. Uh, requirement for federal contractors called controlled unclassified information. And when I did it, what I learned was there are some platforms out there that can help you. There are ways to craft the pictures. Um, but I did it to kind of educate myself on what's the next thing and can I do it? And in fact, I've been thinking about I need to write another one or to look at a video book, right? How can I do that and do it just on YouTube pictures and what do I want it to be. But I did it to keep myself current because I'm a little older and some of the younger generation and the, and new folks to security don't always want to read. They may absolutely want to look at uh, a different communication method. And so I challenged myself to do that. That's uh that's really great because there's something very significant to what you just said. You um you wanted to do something new for the newer generation. And you want it to it, it, it's a challenge that you pose to yourself. But in the process of doing it, 
uh, it appears that you learned something. You probably learned a lot. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, I think that's really valuable information when you kind of put yourself out there and stretch yourself to do something that perhaps you never contemplated to do. And I think, um, you know, people... Uh, like you and visionaries. I mean, that's when you can really learn something. And then the thing about it, too, is that that can lead on to unexpected opportunities. It so does, Carmen. So the the first ebook that I put out, um, I actually um, sold it using Amazon services, right? So I learned how that worked. And you learn how and what the pricing models are. But the thing that came back to me, and this is like our previous discussion on things you give away and share come back to you, I ended up creating a new uh, revenue generation capability for my company. The first ebook won two national awards, and we've been kind of looking at and managing in a new seg segment of cyber, which is very important today, which is compliance and supply chain management. And a lot of that was, um, for lack of a better word, birth through that ebook. Congratulations to you. I, I didn't know about the National Award, but that is truly wonderful. Uh, I, I just love it. It's just like... Um, you just never know what's going to happen. And here you were challenging yourself uh, to do this and learn something new. That's amazing. Can I can I share, uh, uh, anybody who goes to my uh, website, www.emesec.net, one of the things that I did, which is both silly and fun, was that I used a picture of my own daughter from a vacation for the first cover book. And I did it because it was all cloudy and we were talking about clouds. When you're working in your business, I encourage everyone to have fun. Do little things that please you and that you can, that will put a smile on your face because you're working, you should be working on your business, not in your business. And you should, from the perspective of how am I gonna grow it, but it should be fun for you. It should be something that you enjoy on a regular basis. I've never had a problem getting up wanting to go to work. Yeah, and that what you just said also about working uh, on your business, not in your business, is really, uh, I've heard that in, uh, I think, um, in an SBA event I went to, um, but it's very, very important. Actually, it was in the, the SBA's Emerging Leadership Program that they have. Um, I'm, I don't know if you, you probably are acquainted with that. Where uh, I, I'm not, but it travels. That that soundbite travels really far because I've heard it from somebody else, and I do think it's very important. It's great to hear it came from SBA. Well, I I heard it there. I took I took that program, um, and uh, or I was selected for that program. Uh, the SBA actually um, uh, was I. I think they're still doing it, and they would pick major cities, and you'd apply to attend the program, and they finance it. But they engage, um, I think, a consulting company. But I heard it; it's a six-month program. It's great, but I heard it in that, and it's be, and it's really great advice because 
You know, when you're a business owner, sometimes you just get involved in so many details, and then by the time you know it, you're out of focus. And so you always have to step back and say, you know, am I doing something somebody else can do? And, you know, you have to empower people and just really try to just stay on strategy and more important roles. So that is great advice in and um, uh, I think that, you know, uh, it's a good takeaway for our listeners today as well. And, and uh, there's uh, so so much stuff on your website. I, I got to <laughs> see good stuff because I actually, uh, last night I went there and I got to hear you on this TV show, uh, which I never heard of, Shop. Um, it's... Um, Let's see, what's the name of it? It is the Got You Are 6 TV. Can you tell? Oh, that's a, that's a radio show, yes. Oh, that's a radio show as well. Okay. But yes. I, I got to see the host and you. Um, it, was, it was fun watching. And then he talked about, um, about you're involved in an AFCA shark tank, right? Oh, so the arm... Forces communication, and I I forget the last E A A F C E A. I um, volunteer for AFCEA Shark Tank Innovation, and I'm a judge online. If you search my name or if you go to AFCEA Shark Tank, there are a number of YouTube videos. Uh, I ask questions spontaneously of new application, new cloud services about. What are their strengths? What's the benefits? How can you present it? And so I do that probably a couple times a year um, so that I can help AFCEA, but also I get introduced to new technologies. So it's really fun. Well, that sounds, it sounds like a lot of fun. And and so you're doing that, you're mentoring, and, and then it appears that you are on other types of shows as well. Um, uh, Tell us some more about what you do on the side of just running your business. <laughs> or is it, to, it's probably a lot and we won't be able to cover it all today. <laughs> no, I think you've covered most of it. Um, I, I would, I like public speaking. I like meeting people in different, different venues. Um, I've been on Government Matters, which is a television program in the D.C. area related to the federal government. Um, I have managed conferences and set up different programs, like what would be of interest for attendees. Um, A lot of this has come or stemmed out of volunteer work. um, And I do it because in the end, it does help me meet people who I might be able to do business with. It helps me to learn and grow. Um, And I try to help other people or have them benefit from things that I've been exposed to. And so all of that, although it seems like sideshow or extra stuff, it actually has helped me to become a good CEO. It introduces me to other ways of doing business because even though we may all be running a business, there are sometimes tricks of the trade that you're not yet familiar with. Sometimes there are other partners that might provide a service to your company that you haven't yet met. And so by doing these other things, I get to talk about my business. I get to talk about the work that we do, but I also get to learn from other people because when I left the 
when I left my active duty service and retired and started my company, because I hadn't been in commercial business, I, I really wasn't in touch with all the different types of services. And so over my um, company's career or over my CEO career, I have been learning and meeting people, trying to do things better, more efficiently, or even sometimes to change what I do. So all of my side activities kind of contribute to that. Right. And now you're also working in the commercial space. Is that correct? That is correct. Any Second Incorporated is uh, one of only 44 companies that are accredited as a FedRAMP third-party assessment organization. In essence, with so many cloud solutions out there, if a cloud solution wants to be purchased or used in the federal government, they must meet a very specific security standard, which is called FedRAMP. It's the Federal Risk Authorization Management Program. It's a big mouthful. But to be able to be an auditor for that program or a tester on the security for clouds, my company has to go through an annual review. We have to have people who participate in the requirements and prove that we are expert and capable in cloud security. And so I'm very proud to be one of those 443 PAOs. Congratulations on that. Yeah, that is awesome. I also noticed that you have like five different ISO certifications. Can you share a little bit about that? So, um, because, uh, and again, it still ties back to my story of I didn't have any experience in the big commercial world. I, starting your business is one thing and getting paid. The next step is how do you build the walls of your business, right? And when you think about that, you have to understand um, what do I want my policies to look like? How do I want to run my business? And without any experience, I leaned on ISO standards, which are international standards, and I began to apply those to my business. And so we hold an ISO for quality. We own an, we hold an ISO for IT services, an ISO for security services, and one for testing. And that testing one allows us to be a FedRAMP 3 PAO. So those certifications require us to make investments in our policies. It requires us to be audited on a regular basis by another third party so that we're proving all the time that we are who we say we are. We're an expert in security. We conduct ourselves in a certain way and we have the policies and procedures to um, prove that. For folks who are in different kinds of businesses, I'm sure they have other um, types of credentials and certifications. Yeah, and that, that really sets you apart from uh, other competitors who may not have those certifications. Uh, so it is a great standard to have. We're going to take our last break, Maria, and we'll be right back. Okay. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com forward slash startup radio to sign up or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code StartupRuby. And we're back with Maria Horton of EMISEC. Maria, uh, we were just talking about those certifications. What else, um, what is 
uh, right now, how do you see the future? I mean, what do you see that you need to do um, in the future or, uh, you know, or even what, I think you already shared a little bit about that earlier, but what's what's in the future for your specific company? So um, my company right now is a prime con- uh, prime holder of a best in class government service government wide acquisition vehicle. And I think um, the future is going to be more about what are your corporate c- credentials? And where are you in the cloud, artificial intelligence, IoT space? And if you're not offering a service in those particular future-minded areas, how are you utilizing those tool sets to make your business more successful? And so when I look at the things coming out for the future, I'm busy evaluating which virtual production capabilities do I want to use in-house and Externally, I'm looking at how do I evaluate them, what's new, what's different, what what changes our current policies and procedures. So change requires you to th- rethink what you're doing. I just wrote in our corporate newsletter for my employees, think about unlearning. Um, We always talk about learning and knowledge, but we need to now think about unlearning bad habits, unlearning very um, old-fashioned policies and procedures, because in today's world where people are exchanging money through Zelle or other apps on their phone, what's the security ramifications? How how are we going to do that in the future? And so I encourage anybody in whatever business they're in to think about what are they using? Is it safe? What risks do they pose to them? And how can they be doing that for running their business a little bit differently? And then think about the future. You brought this up, Carmen. It's very smart with so many competitors and so many people advertising on the web. How are you going to get noticed? Where are you going to stand out to build your revenue? And how is that going to change between now and the next three years, right? Is there, are you going to have to do something different? I'm constantly thinking about what's good internally and what do I have to showcase externally? That's fantastic. I mean, uh, I'm going to be knocking at your door. <laughs> I want to continue I, I, talking to you. Um, I I hope you do, Carmen. I looked at your website, and I think you're doing some great things as well. And you're on the West Coast, and I'm on the East Coast, and there's a lot of territory for us to meet people in between and to be able to do things. And so I just yeah, I encourage everybody to keep going. There is, there is. So uh, so I just I just see even this interview as a divine connection. <laughs> so um, this is great advice. Uh, Maria, um, I, uh, I, I'm going to uh, ask you one more question because uh, typically my co-hosts ask everyone, if they were to look back, what is the biggest um, mistake they felt if they had to go back and look at things that they made and, you know, they share it in the sense that, okay, if I were to do this, um, I wouldn't have done this, you know, um, in business. Um, wow. Uh, I'll give you 
kind of two mistakes. I'll give you one in the early part of my company, say the first five years. Um, I needed to be more outgoing and have more relationships. My business probably would have grown a little faster um, for a period of time. I was uh, not as outgoing as I might seem to you, and I needed to build some longer relationships. In the last few years, if I would say that there was a mistake, there were some things that for my own comfort level I I hung on to too long. I'm now focusing more on that changing processes, that unlearning so that I can learn some new things that are more efficient and effective. And that was a realization. I got comfortable with some processes, even some people and things that I probably should have thought about differently. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's, um, you know, um, when we ask this question, we really kind of put people on the spot because then, you know, you have to be vulnerable to even share those kinds of things. So what is the biggest takeaway from the military? Uh, we, we said, you know, you said that you never would have imagined you'd be doing a business, but the, and you spent 20 years. Uh, so what was your, you know, if you had to say, what was it that being in the military uh, gave you, um, you know, uh, a sense of, okay, I, I learned this because I was in the military. But if you hadn't been in the military, you wouldn't have learned it. Um, this is an Army statement, and I heard you were in the Army. Yes. The, be all you can, the be all you can be statement, the Army nailed it, even though the Navy should use it too. Um, the, my military experience was very, very fortunate, but it challenged me in ways to look at things differently. And I will tell you that in the be all you can be type statement, I was a nurse who became a CIO, the first one for a major medical center in the Navy, who then started a cybersecurity company. So when you look at those elements, it gave me the courage to go out and just be whatever I wanted to be. And I think that's really important because you have to go at some of these things with no fear. Excellent. I, I, I love it. It's, it's a great way to end our program today. You, you know, courage, I mean, it takes courage to do a business. And uh, yeah. one of the things that you mentioned in, in, in the, um, the interview, um, not my interview, but the one with Keith, um, which is the uh, uh, podcast. Uh, let me see what's the name of that one. I wrote it down. Um, but you mentioned something. Uh, you said something, small business. Well, the S is not for stupid, but it's for survival. And that kind of stuck with me because it, it does take courage. Uh, you know, it, it's you know, you're almost surviving when you start out. And um, you mentioned a lot of good things on that TV show. I do encourage our audience to watch it uh, because there was a lot of good takeaways as well there. I know you've shared many today, but uh, that show as well, he had other types of questions, and that was a, a great show. Well, Maria, I am so delighted to have you today, and I'm sure our audience hopefully has great takeaways. Thank you so much for 
for being on our show today. And to you're, our, you're uh, so welcome. Yes, and um, we're going to hear more great things about you. And thank you all who are listening today. We welcome you to come back next Friday at 1 p.m. on our Veterans Founders podcast. Have a great weekend, everyone. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.